Welcome to the UTG at Work podcast. I'm Deacon Mike Houghton. I'm the executive director of an apostolate called UTG at Work. Our mission is to help women and men joyfully live their faith and witness to Christ and the gospel in the workplace. I'm happy to be with you as we explore the Sunday gospel in ways that help people who work. You can find this podcast as well as helpful articles, videos, and other materials on our website, which is utgatwork.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcasting sites. This weekend, we celebrate the 29th Sunday in Ordinary Time, and our gospel is a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. The Pharisees went off and plotted how they might entrap Jesus in speech. They sent their disciples to him with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are a truthful man and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. And you are not concerned with anyone's opinion, for you do not regard a person's status. Tell us, then, what is your opinion? Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? Knowing their malice, Jesus said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin that pays the census tax. So they handed him a Roman coin. He said to them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? They replied, Caesar's. At that he said to them, Then repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In today's Gospel, we continue along the latter portions of the Gospel of Matthew, as we've done for the past several weeks. Jesus has come into Jerusalem, knowing full well that it's here that he will soon be crucified. He's understandably angry, and he's had several rounds of verbal jousting with the Pharisees and the scribes and the elders, and so... We hear at the start of today's gospel that they've plotted a way to trap him in his speech. Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not, they ask. They're fully aware that if he answers yes, then he'll be considered a Roman sympathizer, which would be reason for persecution from the Jews, who despise their Roman captors. But if he answers no, then he's guilty of insurrection against the Roman government, and he'll be labeled as an enemy of the state. As a side note, it's interesting to point out that the Pharisees were against the Roman tax, while the Herodians were for it. Even though they fought and argued with one another over this issue, they were willing to team up to try to trap Jesus in speech. But Jesus avoids their trap, and he doesn't answer them directly. He's not dodging the question, rather he's thinking far beyond the question and peering into the depths of the human heart. He realizes that it's a trap. And not only a trap, but a rather poor appreciation for God's plan for all of us. Jesus makes it clear that if Caesar's image is on the coin, then give it back to Caesar. Who cares? It's only money. But then comes the kicker. He says that that which bears the image of God must be given back to God. And what, or who, bears the image of God? Well, all of us do, as we were all created in the image and likeness of God. This is a very simple principle, but it has great ramifications, including at work. Each of us is made in the image and likeness of God, no matter our height or our weight or our skin color or our sex or even our faith. We're all made in God's image, and as such, we all deserve respect, not because of who we are or what we believe, but because of whose image we bear. That respect is far too often lost on humanity. How often do we hate someone for what they look like or what they believe and forget about the fact that They're the reflection of God. What more evidence do we need of this than what's going on right now in Israel and Gaza? The savage killing and the violence that we see happening right in front of us, it's overwhelming at times, and it's clearly not something that God wants. 
In a similar but far less extreme example, how often do we look down on someone because of their lowly position in the organization without ever getting to know them? Or on the other extreme, how often do we look up to people because of their lofty position in the organization while conveniently excusing the bad behaviors that they often exhibit? I have a friend who was a colonel in the U.S. Army, and one day I went to see him at his workplace. He had a very significant job. He had many hundreds of people reporting to him. But when we walked to his office, he stopped to ask the janitor on his floor about his family. He knew about his wife and his kids, and he clearly cared about the man on a very personal level. To me, this was far more impressive than anything else I saw that day. But it goes much further than this. Seeing God's image in another is important not just on a person-to-person level, but also when it comes to corporate policies, business practices, and even how employees are compensated. Now, I recognize that this is a very broad statement to make, and I certainly will not attempt to address all of these points in a short homily. But there is a tremendous body of work out there which addresses these points. One of my personal favorites is a series of writings which we collectively call Catholic Social Teaching, or CST. CST began in 1891 with an encyclical by Pope Leo XIII called Rerum Novarum. This was a radical departure from previous encyclicals in that it spoke to issues outside of the things that go on in the four walls of the church, including things like the rights and responsibilities of business owners and workers, the role of the government in a just society, and a number of other somewhat secular issues. CST is something that's fascinated me for quite some time, because it lays out very practical ideas about a number of things, including how businesses should run and be managed. The foundational principle behind virtually all CST is the dignity of the human person. And why does the human person have such dignity? Well, because we're all created in the image and likeness of God. From this very simple principle, a number of very important conclusions can be drawn. For example, CST says that employees have a right to health care and to time off for vacations and holidays. Mind you, it doesn't give specific values for these things, but rather speaks to the fact that these things are an essential part of honoring the dignity of the person. CST gives parameters and considerations for many other work-related topics, and it speaks not only to the rights of workers and employees, but also to the responsibilities of each. When I first discovered CST, I was addicted, so to speak. I documented many things which I could turn around and use in my workplace the very next day. In fact, some of the work that I did those years ago has been a big part of why I'm so passionate about UTG at work today. Now, there's clearly not enough time to delve into the vast number of things that CST offers to businesses in this homily. So instead, I offer you a concept to keep in mind as you consider your workplace. That concept goes right back to what Jesus said in today's gospel. When you look at your policies, your benefits, your corporate culture, and the like, do they value the dignity of the human person? Or do they seek to maximize the ultimate gain of the corporation, or perhaps its senior leadership above the rank-and-file employees? We're seeing one very clear example of this being played out in the prolonged and very expensive UAW strike. I'm not going to take sides on this issue. My automotive career is in the rearview mirror now, so to speak. But one of the more hotly debated issues is pay, which I'm sure comes as a surprise to almost no one. If you pause to think about this issue from the standpoint of the dignity of the human person, several important considerations come to light. One issue is senior officer pay. It seems fair that senior leaders make more than rank-and-file employees. But how much more? Ten times more? One hundred times more? Several hundred times more? 
What is a level that honors the dignity of all employees, including the senior leaders and the rank-and-file employees? And on the other hand, how much should a rank-and-file employee make? Clearly, there have been some very large profits of late. But is the just answer to keep raising employee pay and in turn keep raising the cost of the automobiles so that the average person struggles to afford them? I read a few weeks ago that 25% of all new vehicle leases in the state of Texas are now over $1,000 a month. And it's not uncommon to see base prices for some vehicles approaching or even exceeding $100,000. Does this honor the dignity of the average person who's just trying to find reliable transportation? These aren't questions that I can answer, but I think that as Christians, we all need to remember that what should be first and foremost in our thinking when it comes to anything in our lives, including our work, is the dignity of each and every person, all of whom were created in the image and likeness of God. So, is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar? Don't lose too much sleep over that one. What matters is that we give to God what is God's. Thanks for joining me for this week's UTG at Work podcast. I look forward to meeting again next week. In the meantime, I encourage you to boldly live your faith in the workplace in the week ahead. I'll pray for your success, and I ask that you pray for the success of this UTG at Work apostolate. If you want to learn more about us, please visit utgatwork.org. Now go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life.